Hey, hi, I'm Bonnie. Welcome to this podcast, Make Joy Normal, where we chat about homeschooling and family life. With my co-hosts, Elizabeth and Christina, we address your questions and topics in a way that can create more joy in our lives. Please submit any questions you have by email or voice message in the links in the show notes. If you found this episode valuable, please share it with a friend, like, or leave us a review. That's how we get the word out. Thanks for trying to make Joy Normal in your own Good life. afternoon to all my listeners. I am excited to present to you another listener episode, which is great. I have a listener who's bringing questions onto the show. Welcome, Leslie. Thank you. Thank you so much. I will introduce Leslie in a moment. And I just want to remind people to, if you have questions, please submit them uh, to the button either by voice or by email uh, in the button on the um, in the show notes. Uh, we just really appreciate your questions and uh, it's constant food for thought. And just so you're aware I'm not always the only one answering questions I'm often crowdsourcing from from friends or from people that I know who've been through a particular struggle it's a really great opportunity for me to sort of broaden my uh, my view on things and broaden my my own experience just by chatting with others welcome to the show Leslie I, I was so grateful to receive your questions they, they were uh, really cool we'll explore that in a moment but I was just wondering if you could tell my listeners a little bit about yourself and your family Absolutely. Um, so my name is Leslie, and I live in the Arctic tundra of Saskatchewan, Canada. Um, although, fun fact, I'm actually um, originally from New York, but met really, okay, uh, yeah. So lots of things I never thought I would be doing, but now I'm raising my four kids. Um, they range from six to almost thirteen. Okay, and it's been our fifth year of homeschooling. So awesome. we did it before it was cool. Okay, <laughs> sometimes <laughs> yes, before COVID, cool. Oh, that's great. Well, thank you so much. So you you submitted some questions uh, to me sort of along the lines of what started out with sort of if I feel like I want to support Catholic suppliers, which is this is a really good question and something I think many of us go through. I want to support, you know, the suppliers that are that are doing doing offering me good services. However, what about, you know, if, if something else, something secular is just a better fit, right? Yes. So is that kind of an accurate representation of your initial question? That's absolutely it. Yeah. And sometimes I find that there's a lot of guilt associated. And so I, even though I am a cradle Catholic, you know, so many of us body were really poorly catechized. Um, and so, you know, I, I worry sometimes that, well, if I use a secular material, am I going to be, you know, like I'm not opposed to finding missed opportunity or finding opportunities. Yeah. We go through something, maybe the Reformation, for example, and then we can use that. But I sometimes feel very not confident enough. I'm like, mm -hmm. well, I don't know. Am I going to miss explaining something to them through the yeah. Catholic lens? Or will we maybe mistakenly um, read something and then believe that to be true? And then just because I, I have a lack of knowledge. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a great, it's a great question. I think many of us can can experience this, right? So so what do we do about it? So first of all, I think that you're, you're really right on the money with the missed opportunity. I think when we're using secular material or Protestant material or, or something that doesn't fall under, under the uh, umbrella of sort of in line with Catholic teaching, we can use that as opportunity for discussion. These are what other people believe. These are sometimes with people without belief. This is this is their take on it. I think that we can use that as an opportunity. For me, but you know, I'm an adult convert, right? So for me back in the day, I always wanted to double check everything. I would be using, I was not afraid to use secular material or non-Catholic material because sometimes, you know, sometimes you're handpicking things, things for a certain kid and you have to be really sensitive to 
to what's going on. And you don't want to close doors on books you would really love to read with them, even if they're not necessarily Catholic books, right? I think that for me, I had to kind of arm myself with materials that would be helpful to me. So even though I wasn't necessarily using them with my kids, I wanted to be sure. So say we read something and I wondered, okay, what is the Catholic take on this? And is this in line with, with Catholic teaching or, or, or is this a point of discussion or a point of debate? That was really helpful to me to be able to say to my kids, listen, this is actually something I want to check. Because first of all, I'm, I'm humbling myself before my kids saying, you know, I don't know everything. And in fact, I don't even know very many things, but I need to, I, want, I do want to know what's true and good and beautiful. And so I, I want to look this up. So you can be with me here while we look it up, or I can look it up and we can talk about it later. But it is something that I'd kind of like to delve into. It gives us the opportunity to to say, hey, I'm still learning. And, and this is a great thing for us to be discussing. So I just want to make sure that I'm not steering you incorrectly. I want you to make, I want you to make sure that you understand the Catholic, not only the Catholic teaching, but, but why the Catholic teaching exists, right? It's not just enough to have the rules. There was a couple of really, really helpful books that I found along the way. One of them was Father Hardin's Catholic Dictionary. And there's also sort of a, a uh, smaller version of it that I basically kept on my school desk at all times because it was so helpful. And it was Catholic things. And it would have like a short dictionary, you know, whatever the topic was, say, for example, the Trinity, it might just have a paragraph. So it gave a very brief uh, definition of the Catholic definition of what that word means. I think it's called Father Hardin's Catholic Dictionary. I'll get the correct name for it and put it in the show notes. But that was, and I still use it to this day. It's a phenomenal uh, gift. Now we, you know, we have the internet now too, where we can look things up on Catholic Answers or EWTN. You know, we have lots of places, but we don't always want to shift gears from reading some beautiful book to our kid to flipping our phone open and saying, "Oh, here's what we," you know, because that that sort of. Uh, adds a whole other dimension when you're looking things up online to to our schooling of our kids, right? It's like, it can be a diversion, right? Not that it always is, but it certainly can be. And so that book was really, really helpful. There was also a book, and I'm going to butcher the name of it, something like the historical catechism. And basically it went through, it was written by a Catholic convert, uh, but super handy, used it all the time. And it basically went through century by century the different things that were happening in the world and in the church at that time and sort of provided the the really clear Catholic context, also in a very short form, really clear Catholic context, de- kind of debunking anything that was sort of um, a Catholic myth. You know, I see you know, there's a lot of ideas out there like Catholic Catholics worship Mary. It would correct those kinds of things. Like actually what we know about this is, or the the piece of information we don't have say about the crusades is that this was, you know, there was also good things happening. Um, You know, what we don't know about Galileo was this. So it it provides the Catholic context. So those two books, the names of which I will, I will put accurately in the show notes were just super, super helpful in terms of being a, a quick version of me finding out information that might otherwise be something I would think, gee, I don't really know if this is accurate. Yeah. And I really like that, especially not using the phone because, you know, our kids don't always know what website we're going to. And as we all know, the internet has very sketchy levels exactly, of Yeah. So I like that modeling of taking out a hard, you know, an actual physical book and modeling. This is what it looks like. 
you know, same thing with spelling a word. We try, I try to remember to use the dictionary rather than just go to dictionary.com with the kids. So. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And those were the things like I would always have those resource, those Catholic resource books, and I would always have a dictionary and a thesaurus, you know, and a couple of other resource books, depending on what we were studying, sitting on, you know, right at our school desk so that I could look things up easily. That little um, dictionary that I was talking about, that is a super helpful book. I would have it in more than one place. Like if you end up schooling sort of in more than one place, say you, you sit and read, you know, fiction to your kids in the living room or, or whatever. Mm-hmm. And you also sit at a school desk and do sit down work with them or whatever. It's one that would be worth investing in having more than one copy of it, right? Like the same way we would have more than one copy of a dictionary. Yeah, it sounds like a great gift, even for my older kids just to have. And The other thing you had asked about is that you were attracted to sort of the Tan Academy yes. uh, history series. I find it's excellent. I have used a couple of it. And again, sometimes I just use that as my backbone and I read all kinds of historical fiction and I read all kinds of secular books to go along with, but that's kind of the backbone. So we spend, you know, maybe five, 10 minutes a day reading that. So, and it, so it doesn't matter if it, if it doesn't line up age wise. So because he sort of goes through you know, the different ages, like say, for example, ancient culture. So I did ancient cultures last year with Lydia and it's actually geared at quite a young age, you know, than the early middle ages, high middle ages, you know, Renaissance, whatever, where he goes through history kind of in order like that. I've never been too concerned about going through in order, but it is nice yeah. to, to have That's order, right? I just read that book to have a really solid backbone sort of leveled it up by reading other resources like world book articles on certain aspects or, you know, other resource books that we read that would sort of fit, fit in with that time period, but use that as my backbone. And then I felt like I wasn't missing something and I wasn't, and the, you know, the really important Catholic details are there, right? Yeah, because it really is different through the Catholic lens. You know, a lot of the materials Mm -hmm. I do come across, history is one that I find it's a little bit easier to stick with more Catholic. But, you know, you will see there's a perspective that you won't see in other things like St. Benedict or, you know, some other materials might mention the monks and all the work that they did. Yeah, yeah, I, I like I think that's probably the most important area to try and stick with more Catholic. Exactly. Just because of the richness. Exactly. Exactly. And the thing is, because you're, and you had sort of one of your questions was also about kind of missing things. But I think when you're, when your life is really uh, saturated with that Catholic lens and your desire to know and your desire to, uh, to look things up and have the, the resources to look things up does change everything. So say, for example, they're, they're working on a science book and the science book maybe mentions something that does not respect life in this, in the way that we would, that we would see every human life has dignity, you know, so maybe there's a soft cell on, you know, stem cell that, that doesn't fit in with, with Catholic teaching that we could then say, okay, because you're used to looking at life through Catholic lens, it's something that you could then say, okay, you know, I want to find out what are the Catholic, uh, what is the Catholic teaching on this and why this sounds to me like it, it might be an area we just want to, be really, really clear about. So even though it's a secular science book, if they present things in it, you know, or on the human body that maybe they don't present things in a way that we would present it in a Catholic light in terms of dignity, like our, our sexuality, you know, maybe sexuality is discussed in a way that we think, okay, this is an area where we need, we need to really, um, really talk about this, right? Because there's a, there's Catholic teaching and there's a reason for that, for that teaching. So 
in a way, if you're using secular books, mm-hmm. if you're using purely Catholic books, you may not actually have those opportunities, especially if kids get into the teen years where you really want to be raising these discussions. If you're using purely Catholic materials, sometimes those opportunities don't come up in the same way. Yeah, no, that makes sense. And that leads a lot into another part of my question, if you have the time. Yeah, absolutely. Kind of that proverbial, no, am I doing enough? Because we do try to live out our faith. We try to, you know, um, I use a lot of Kendra Tierney's resources and Catholic icing for liturgical living and recipes and cooking and saints. And, um, but I guess I'm like maybe wondering, um, another concern is where, where do I prioritize, let's say, textbook religion and catechism versus, you know, just living it out every day, like, you know, going to a pro-life conference or something with the kids. I guess that's another thing, because I know that's a really big part of it, too. And I don't want to, you know, have a stronger area in one at the expense of the other. But it's hard. Sometimes I feel like it's not always so balanced. You know, like we try and read the catechism. For sure. But then we might go a couple weeks before we go to our reading group at the nursing home. And then other times we do more acts of service. And the catechism, I'm like, where is that? Right. It's somewhere on a bookshelf. Yeah, yeah. Oh, for sure. You know, it's easy to get lost in the busyness of family life. It sounds like to me like you're doing a lot, which is great. And I think the greatest place that we witness to our kids about the Catholic faith is the um, is exactly what you're doing, right? That that just we we're discussing it in our everyday life. I think that there are times when when say, for example, uh, we need to actually really take a look, say they're making their first Holy Communion, we need to really take a look It's like, okay, Am I covering all the things? Uh, you know, we use the Baltimore catechisms for that, those little children's ones, because they were just so beautiful and our kids liked them. You know, what what are the things? Am I missing any of the the ways or am, am I missing the, it, the presentation? Because sometimes we can tell our kids something, but sometimes when it's presented in another way is is actually when they learn it. Like, like we don't always... Um, speak the language that they're understanding in, that's if you know true. what I mean. Yeah. And and so that's sort of another way of, of doing that. So I think particularly around sacraments, you know, it's nice to faith in life, Baltimore catechism, those kinds of things. But there's also some, again, some really beautiful material on online, like Father Mike. He's just so valuable in terms of his excitement about the faith and his explaining things to the faith and in, about the faith. And so just so beautiful. So I feel like those are some resources that we can really use as well. Or sometimes it's a, a friend of ours or, a, um, you know, a priest we know that is just particularly uh, grabs our children's attention. Right. So, so I think, you know, obviously around sacraments, we really want to delve into that. And, and especially when they have questions, because that's when it becomes really relevant. Like, why do I have to go to confession? You know what? That's a great question. And a lot of people have that question. So I think that it would be really important for us to, to really understand why. Now we could give them a, you know, two sentence answer, but we could also say, let's talk about this. Let's look at the historicity of this. Uh, Let's, you know, and of course we don't want to burden our younger children. They usually just want a quick answer, right? You know, because we're Catholic, that's what we do. Sometimes that suffices. But as they get older and as their minds mature, you know, their understanding of what it means to be Catholic and and the sacraments that Christ gave us are, are so beautiful and we shouldn't misunderstand what they are. But at the same time, we are always growing in understanding. And so, you know, even, at the, you know, you know how it is, like sometimes you read a book as an adult trying to read different spiritual books and whatnot, and all of a sudden something just hammers you wow, you know, okay, you know, confession's a good thing. You know that a holy hour is a good thing. You know that whatever is a good thing. 
And all of a sudden it's like, okay, wow, that just put a whole new spin on it for me. I'll share something with you. This just happened today. I was was driving today. I had to go out and do some errands. I was driving. I was listening to a little podcast. Again, the name of it is going to slip me, so I'll, I'll write it down. It was by a priest, a Canadian priest. He lives in in Toronto. His name's Father Michael Eads, E-A-E-D-E-S. And he has a podcast. It's a little 10-minute. He does like a reading club, little a few minutes of reading, and then a reflection on whatever the spiritual reading was, right? So it just happened. So happened. I I thought, okay, I'm going to start Abandonment to Divine Providence, right? So so he just gave this little 10-minute talk and, and then a reflection. And he was talking about the duty of the moment. I was driving down the road and I thought just, he was so eloquent. And so you just reached my heart so much in that moment. I was driving down, we're setting up this Airbnb that I was telling you before we started recording where we have this little cottage on our property. It's going to become an Airbnb. We're really excited about it. We feel like it's a, it's a great place to witness. It's a great place to host. It's just, there's so many positives that we feel like would really add to our life and the life of others, hopefully. Um, you know, and I was going to sort of get some of the stuff, you know, I was shopping for some of the stuff that we need for the Airbnb. And I was thinking about stuff. <laughs> I was driving and, and I thought, well, my duty of the moment right now is actually to get to where I'm going safely, right? To get there safely, to drive safely, to be a courteous driver because I'm in the car. That's my duty of the moment right now. And to pray for this particular <laughs> ministry, to pray for this particular little thing that we're going to do that will hopefully add something to the life of the church to our Lord and to, to be present to him in a, in a particular way for this that we're doing. And as I'm driving along, I've got some spare time. I'm also need to pray for my family. That's my duty of this moment, not to be thinking about, you know, what kind of measuring cups I want for the cottage. Right <laughs> anyway, point being that, that something, you know, we can really, really know and understand something, but we continually grow in understanding. One of the things like we, we, as our kids got older, we tried to sort of do things together. Like, um, say for example, watch Bishop Barron videos, you know, the Catholicism series, you know, and even a six or eight year old can take away something from that once every two weeks or something like that. We, we have a night where we watch, you know, an hour on, you know, Ascension Press, Bishop Barron, EWTN formed. There's so many amazing resources as Catholics. And then we can do something fun after, like maybe we have a nice snack with that, or maybe we actually watch just a regular family movie after that. But we spend some time educating ourselves as a family, right? And then it gives us sort of fodder for discussion. One of the things we did was we did the Bible in a year recently, and right now we're doing catechism in a year, and it just fuels so much discussion, right? Yeah, and I think that's one of the beautiful things about homeschooling, that it's really, it's well, it's changed the way I parent, and I find the conversations that I have with my kids, again, you know, me growing as a, a revert, as an adult in my faith, and there's so many things that I want to introduce them to, and questions I felt I had as a kid, and again, not to the lack of a parent. It was just, they didn't know. So, you know, you can't pass on what you don't know. And so I don't want them to be 30 when they find out about adoration, you know, or, and I want them to value, you know, like I have one child who was really struggling. She did her first reconciliation and then she just wouldn't do it again. And, you know, and we talked to a priest about it and, and we prayed about it. And you know what? We just, so my husband, bless him, came up with this great idea that when we did our prayers at it, because each uh, every night, each child takes a different turn uh, doing the rosary or leading it. And so um, he started adding on the act of contrition. 
Because we knew, okay, you know, we tried. We did like open confession with our pre, you know, followed all these examples. And she was like, no, just not going to happen. But she's been doing this act of contrition now. And so, again, it's just that little step, you know, getting mad at her and like, don't you know that that is so, it doesn't help. Oh, yeah, we don't gain anything or getting mad or shaming or, yeah. or anything of that. We just don't, how do we, like, even when our children wonder and they, and they do, you know, they wonder from their faith as adults sometimes. And if they wonder and we said, you know what, if you're not going to go to mass, you know, you can't come home, you know, you can't, uh, don't bother staying at home this summer. You know, where would, we have to leave the door as wide open as possible. Yes. We have to leave our connection of love open for them. And so, you know, that's, that's such an important tool. Like, it's just, there's just nothing that can compare with that. Imagine if God did that to us, right? Is this, oh, okay, fine. You're going to sin. Okay, then, uh, then just don't, don't bother, you know, praying because uh because i'm not really here for you so you know i mean it's because god's left the door as wide open as possible for us that we can come back and we do and we're so blessed to have our faith and i look at once i realized i was raising little souls and future Mm. adults it really pivoted so you know again i like you said you know we don't want to beat them over the head with it not every math lesson has to be how many catechisms and bibles and what you know what's the end of your equation Yes. You know, making it fun and relevant, giving that, that gift to reason critically, because that's what's going to set them yeah. up when they do, as you said, as an adult, you know, have questions or yeah. concerns or as a teenager even. And that's what I want them to be able to come home to Rome and say, oh, you know what? I can hold it up against this lens of this logic. I mean, that's what did it for me personally. It was the logical argument that the church had from conception to natural death. And I was like, well, anything else is just utter silliness. But it took me a long yeah. time to get there. And so if I can cut that short a little bit for them but also keep it relevant yeah. and really build a love, not a fear of God, but, you know, the, just that love mm-hmm. and that reverence is, I just, it's too yeah. important to mess up. So I'm trying to do our exactly. best. Exactly. Oh, it's beautiful. And let them help them wrestle with the big things. And when they, when they're wrestling, if we can just say to them, you know, this, this is hard, this is a hard thing. It's something you're, you're, you're going to have to work through. Can, how can I help you? Can, is there resources I can get for you? Or do you want to just talk about it? Do you need to vent about it? Maybe there's things about the faith that makes them angry. Yeah, It's hard to wrestle through those things, but you know, with our love and tenderness, that's, that's really how we make headway, right? As human beings. <laughs> Exactly. Yes. And make the world a better place exactly, and live it out. Yeah, just yeah exactly. Steps. Did you have any other questions that were, I'm sort of, we've sort of gone back and forth on the ones that I wrote down. Yeah. I, I know I okay. think about all of them um, and I, I'm really grateful. And I, again, thank you so much. So this is the first time I've ever written into a podcast. So I'm so excited. <laughs> so, so, so I'd like to ask you a question because I think this is, um, this is really important. Sure. So in our email conversation, you know, we discovered you're a debater. You like to, you, you coach debate. I did. Yeah. Okay. So, so I debated in high school and, uh, and had a wonderful coach and it was something that I've often thought that, um, that I'd like to do. And it's just the opportunity sort of never really arose. However, I did have lots of opportunity to do a lot of critical thinking with, I always ran co-ops and it was because I primarily, I wanted my kids to have this experience of, of writing or discussing or reading and, and discussing or watching a, a movie and discussing kind of the the tough points in it. What I know is like, I'm a big fan of debate because I do not think I would be the person that I am today 
without having that debate background. Just, just, just to clarify, debate is not about arguing. Debate is about critical thinking, presenting arguments both charitably, because I mean, you would get you would get hammered points wise if you were uncharitable towards the towards your other opposite debating team. Mm-hmm. There's some just really valuable skills. So do you mind sharing a little bit about what how you feel about debate, how you go about debate, because it's just so incredible. I'm really, I really, uh, I, I think you should go somewhere with that in terms of like some sort of online presence. I don't know, because I think that we, it's, um, there's a hole for sure in, in homeschool circles with debate. Yeah, no, thank you for asking. Yeah, it has been a dream of mine. So I did a mock trial in high school was actually my first introduction. And then I was actually teaching in the New York City Public School District. And a fellow teacher of mine was starting a debate. And I was familiar with it. I just hadn't, um, I hadn't done it. But I was familiar with mock trial. And I really liked that it has, it has some similar points. And I liked the theatrical mm-hmm. aspect of mock trial. So I was like willing to debate. And I said, okay, I'm willing to debate coaching debate. Um, so <laughs> I said, okay, well, you know, I'd like to do this, but you know, I just want to get some more information. So, um, yeah, he, it was my friend John and he really, really helped me. And so we did it together for, for a while and it was so enlightening. And what I found was very interesting was that it really stretched your mind. Yeah, um, you know, it forced you to like prepare to manage your time and to really consider something like not just prayerfully, although I think I was at the time I just didn't know it, but just really okay, like where is the logic in this argument, um, rather than just that emotion behind mm-hmm. it. And so I found it really interesting, and and I did miss it, but then like I didn't homeschool right away with my kids. We came, even though we were doing it for a while, my kids had had been in public school for a while. But when we brought them home, I thought I was just so busy and drowning with little kids, but I was. <laughs> recently approached about starting it again. And yeah, so it's, it is a project I'm working on. And I would absolutely be open to doing some kind of online national and forum. Um, because I think it is such important skills, especially when we live, I take the pro-life um, argument, for example, you know, when we talk with people, there's so much emotion, and yeah. misinformation and misnomers. And so d- what debate does is, again, it just forces you to think critically, gather your evidence and really consider and then put forth, you know, almost like a, um, you know, like a, a spoken essay. Exactly. Right? You have to present your points and then support them and then come up with a conclusion. And if any of those steps are out of order, then it just it throws off and you're toast. You don't you don't make your your point, your argument. And it also forces you to listen to the other side and say, OK, what are their objections? What points are they making? And how can I not just how can I win? Because it isn't about mm-hmm. that. It's how can I listen? How can I internalize it? And how can I communicate like a volleyball mm-hmm. almost of words? And so I think that is just missing in society. And I think people want that. But with our fast consumption of social media and news mm-hmm. bits, and I mean, everywhere you go, even an oil change, right? The head news just flashes headlines. It's yeah. very overstimulating. Yeah, for sure. And then we lose that ability and we're not reading books as much. So we're just, you know, we're losing the art of conversation. Mm-hmm. And I think kind of conversation and debate almost go hand Absolutely. in hand. Absolutely. Um, we're retreating each other, like you said, yeah. civilly. And just, I, I genuinely want to hear what you have to yeah. say. But then in return, I request that you, you know, genuinely hear mm-hmm. what I have to say. And to explore and their just, arguments too, that you have to know their arguments better than they know them themselves. Yes. And so that's how you can be prepared for whatever it is they rebut or present that you have um you have a response to it because you've actually thought it through right and and the fact that you have to argue both sides yes and you may not agree with it right you gotta be able to find yeah but you have to yeah so what an, an amazing uh 
um, gift to give a kid to be able to understand the other side of the argument really thoroughly so much that they're, they're actually going to have to debate it. So what are the, now they might think some of the, the reasons are flimsy, but they're going to have to find the strongest reasons, mm-hmm. right? And the strongest argument, you know, so, so you, you get to know something in a, in a way that is completely, I think completely different than, um, we're taught now, right? It's a whole different level of critical thinking. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think the more if we can have those old fashioned Lincoln Douglas debates, you know, would just really Mm -hmm. help people in their everyday life rather than shouting at each other and trying to come up with a 140 or less characters to prove, you know, you know, everything. No, we're just bringing back conversation, polite, critical thinking, that just civility that we seem to be lacking. And probing with questions like, okay, explain, explain what you mean by Mm -hmm. that. Right. Explain. Explain to me what you mean by that before we jump all over. Yeah, and almost right? like narration. Like, you no, know, is this is what I'm hearing? Yeah. Is this what you mean? Or clarifying? Yeah. Other than well, I you know yeah. I destroyed your argument. No, no, we're just talking and learning and growing. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. So I would really encourage you to. I don't know where where you're at with that in in that particular journey, but at some point it would be so cool to see some debate resources, even even in a situation where where like say I'm having a co-op that even within my co-op, maybe I'm not actually doing debate coach and having a debate team, but that I have some resources to have, okay, how do we have a debate like conversation? How do we do that? How do we build an argument? How do we, you know, those kinds of things would be so amazing, yeah. right? No, I, I agree. So yeah, I'll keep yeah. you posted as I'm able to, now that I sleep all night, okay. it's great. <laughs> we can conquer yeah, it <laughs> Oh, it's great. Well, thank you so much for for sharing that and and that passion for that because we we uh, we need it and and for bringing your questions on the show. They're great questions and and uh, I hope that they helped. Uh, you know, you gave you walk. You hope you're walking away with some sort of resources that you could use. <laughs> yes. No. I know my Amazon cart or tan books cart is going to get full, but it'll be good. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. And I, again, I will send you the links that, uh, that I was mentioning. That'd be, um, that'd be helpful. I'm sure. Well, God bless you. Have a wonderful day. Thank you. You too. Have a great night. Okay. Bye.